Hey everybody, it's Lori. And this is Matt. And it's time for another episode of Teacher Saves, Saves World. Why can't you be more like my stapler? Keeping my papers together. Why aren't you doing your part? Welcome to another episode of the Teacher Saves World podcast, the gathering place for parents and teachers that are trying to save the world one teenager at a time. We're Lori and Matt Jones, married high school teachers and parents of two teenagers, and we will be your hosts for the next 30 or so minutes. But before we go any further, please take a moment and subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by searching for Teacher Saves World. All of this information and our blog can be found on our website, teachersavesworld.com. And don't forget, head over to Amazon and order your copy of Matt's book, Trajectory, The Ten Challenges of High School That Shape a Teenager's Future, a must for all parents and teachers working with high schoolers. On today's episode, we're asking the question, Is the serenity prayer what we need right now? Amen. <laughs> You know, this this is apt, this this podcast today, because I've been seeing a lot of prayers lately um, in regards to your son. Really? And his new hobby. Um, <laughs> Do you know what that would be? His new hobby? Yeah. Driving us crazy? Um, yeah. That's, that's old. That's an old hobby. That's yeah. been happening really since sixth grade. He kicked in. But um, no, he's been di- jumping off of cliffs, like literally. Yes. So he's finding bodies of water yes. and mountains, and him and his friends are jumping off of them. Yeah. And oh, so the first time he said he was going cliff jumping, I was like, do we have a guidebook or, you know, like where? And he's like, I don't know. We just, you know, some of the guys know where to go. And um, he ended up going up to the national park, like through Three Rivers. And he's all, we had to pay to get in. We said, oh, okay, you're in the park. Like men are trying to figure it out. Yeah. Well, we, we live near uh, uh, Sequoia National Park, Kings Canyon National Park. Uh, the Sierra Nevada mountain range is about, you know, the foothills we can get to in about 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. So they're nearby. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. You know, and then I made the mistake of like asking him to describe it to me. <laughs> He's talking about mossy fronts of rock that you have to hug and that yeah. nobody else would do. Nobody else wanted to do one but him. Yeah. And I thought, oh. You know, how do you test the depth of the water? He said the water's 30 feet. He, he seemed to know, he seemed to have a lot of information. Yeah. And then sent me videos and some pictures of his little body just, wee, you know, coming <laughs> up. And I, and I, when I saw the picture, I'm like, he, he's so happy right now. Like, he, he's so happy. It is, you know, and that's such a part of, of being a teenager, right? Is that, is that it's jumping off cliffs. I yeah. mean, literally and metaphorically, Yeah, it's sort of just setting yourself free. Yep. You know, uh, w- when, when we taught at, uh, Lizard and Academy in, uh, Kailua on a, on Oahu, um, we remember I taught eighth grade and we took those outer Island trips, uh, at the end of the year. And I remember one of the years we went to, I forget if it was Maui or big Island, but on one of those trips, so we have all these eighth graders. We've got about 50 eighth graders and we took this beautiful hike. I think it was Maui. We take this trip back to these beautiful falls and we've got all these eighth graders. And what do they want to do? They want to jump off the cliff. They want to jump off the cliff. 
And, uh, you know, it wasn't, you know, I don't know, I want to guess, 20 feet maybe. So do you guys let them? And, uh, yes. Without we, permission slips? We, <laughs> we uh, <laughs> I mean, there was plenty of chaperones and, you know, we were in the water and uh, kind of, you know, surveyed it. But this is what, this is what kids do. Yeah. Right? This is what a lot, I mean, not all kids, but a lot of kids, they want to jump off cliffs. You know, yeah. it's an exciting, thrilling part of their life. And, you know, the first time we did it, remember we were on our, uh, we went to the big island, the four of us, right? A couple, I don't know, two or three winters ago. Yeah. And we went down to South Point, which is the end. It's the southern, you know, uh, southern tip of the United States, yeah. actually. It's the southern tip of the southern island of Hawaii. And um, there's a point where you can jump off and, and Toby really wanted to do it, but it was his first time ever. And he was kind of like, kind of hesitant. And yeah. there's, there's groups of people there. Everybody's there's watching. There's all these rusty signs like, do not, you know, <laughs> do not jump. Yeah. Death. And, um, uh, and, and then, then these two like cute little Japanese tourists were like, counted down in Japanese and were in bikinis and held their hands and jumped. And as soon as they did, <laughs> I knew Toby was like, oh God, I got to yeah. jump now. Yeah. If those cute girls did it. He was still really hesitant. So then I did it. Right. Oh. So then I, and there's a great video. I have this great video God. of, of me doing it. Like, so I had a GoPro camera and so I'm holding the, the GoPro. And so I do it and I'm like, I'm going to be the dad. I'm going to, I'm going to like make it okay for him. Like Thank if God I can do it, the then dad. he'll do it. Thank but we God. didn't really make a plan, you know, as far as him doing it. And so I jumped and it felt like it was a hundred feet. It, it felt it, like it, it looked was immense. It was it was maybe thirty feet. I don't know. It felt like a hundred, and so I land in the water. I pop to the surface, and I I look back up at the cliff, and then all of a sudden, here comes Toby, just hurtling <laughs> through the air, and uh, oh, it was great. And I happened to just catch it on my GoPro. Maybe I'll put it up. I'll find that you video should. and we'll put it on our, we'll put it on our website. You Remember, should. We'll put it in the show notes or something. It is cool. Yeah. You had like seawater up your nose for weeks. Remember? <laughs> Forever. Like you're like, I keep smelling the yeah. ocean. I think yeah. like you had salt And then water. we had to swim and climb out on these sort of mossy rocks. And my kids, they still make fun of me. Right. That's because, London. because the, the water was, you know, the, it was kind of like surging up and then I would like start to climb and then it would like suck me back out. You'd be like, dad can't get up the mountain. <laughs> And it was just one oh time I got God. sucked back and then I got back up. <laughs> Not according to London. Oh my God. But they love to just make fun of me for that. <laughs> so that's it. They love to jump off cliffs and yep. make fun of their parents. I mean, that, yep. This is the stage of their life. Jump off cliffs, make fun of their parents. We're supposed to be enjoying this. We, we created We're supposed to just hang on. To torture us. We're supposed to hang on right now. All right. And, and you're right. This aptly fits in we're going to we're going to use the serenity prayer to help get <laughs> us us through it so the topic for for today's episode came to me because i had been reading some uh stoicism recently and a big part of stoicism one of their kind of main um concepts is to recognize what you control recognize what you do not control, let go of what you don't, and, you know, take care of what you can. And, and it just made me kind of, you know, I was like, oh, that sounds like the serenity prayer. And not that I'm super familiar with it, but it just sort of, mm -hmm. you know, so then I, I looked it up. And for those of you that are not familiar with the serenity prayer, 
here's what it is. Uh, and let me just preface this by saying we're not making this, this is not a, a religious episode or uh, we're not making any sort of comments uh, about that. But, you know, we all need these, you know, these bits of wisdom, yeah. these, these little sayings, these aphorisms that we mm-hmm. kind of have in our pocket that help us through trying times. And this is definitely one that has uh, stood the test of time and has helped a lot of people out. So we wanted to just kind of bring that into the conversation today. So here it is. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. Now, just some history on the serenity prayer. It was written by Reinhold Niebuhr, uh, or Niebuhr. Uh, He was an American Reformed theologian, ethicist, commentator on politics and public affairs, and a professor. He was one of America's leading intellectuals for several decades in the early to to mid-20th century. How do you get to become a leading intellectual? Boy. I want to be a leading intellectual. How do you... Like, that's what pressure. Is that what you have to become a a professor and an ethicist and comment on politics? He was a smarty And then you become a a leading intellectual. Mm -hmm. That's a really cool, I would love for that to be in my byline someday. He's a leading intellectual. I think so. I don't know. I think you are, huh? Anybody who listens to this podcast would argue otherwise. (laughs) Um, It was composed uh, 1932, 33, somewhere in there. Uh, and it has gone through several iterations, but they all generally, uh, you know, uh, speak to the same idea. Uh, it became widely known uh, because it was adopted by AA, Alcoholics mm-hmm. Anonymous, and other 12-step programs uh, in the 40s. And uh, one of the co-founders of AA noted, never had we seen so much AA in so few words. And I thought that was really kind of wow. cool. It was like... You know, uh, and you know, um, AA, if anybody who's read uh, Charles Duhigg's The Power of Habit, Why We Do What We Do in Work and Life, I believe that's the book. I should have done my homework. I believe that's the book where uh, he references AA quite a bit in there because mm-hmm. it's, AA is very much about habit forming, Yes, you know, and, and these little mantras and these things that they do. And it's a really powerful habit forming in a positive way, uh, program and AA has become wildly effective. And it's very ritualistic. Yeah. And they really honor these rituals. Right. But as I was reading the stoicism and I kind of came across, uh, you know, and, and I thought of this and I was like, you know, right now we can all really kind of use this, <laughs> right? I mean, this is very, it's very trying time. Yeah. And, and we all have these, we all have these little sayings, these things that we kind of, that, that strike a chord with us, that we keep coming back to it. Um, I know one for me is um, this too shall pass. I love that one. Right. That's one that I know that I, I keep in my pocket and I, I pull that out quite often. Because it will. Yeah. And if, if you don't, if you think about a year ago, five years ago, what were you worrying about? Right. Poof. Yeah. Most of the time it's gone. Right. And you, and I, you actually it, kick yourself for. Yeah going through the pain you, you put yourself through. Yeah. And I think that I feel like that's maybe a Persian uh, saying something from like long time ago. I feel like the story again, I should always do my homework. I just start, I start, I start talking before (laughs) I, you know, and just like, I think, I I think I remember. Um, I think the story goes, wasn't it like a a king or somebody uh, was having a piece of jewelry made and they wanted like 
I wanted the most wise, the, the, the wisest saying possible inscribed on this jewelry. And so the jeweler came back and that's what was inscribed on it was this too shall pass. Oh, really? I think. Yeah, I, I, I'm buying it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, uh, you know, hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, if yeah. I'm totally wrong or give me the right story or um, I think that's it. But it's, it is, it's, it's one of the wisest sayings. One of the things that I just, again, I keep in my pocket mm -hmm. and when you just get stuck, you feel like this moment is going to last forever and it's yep. horrible and it's challenging and it's really got you down. I always pull that one out. This too shall pass. Yeah. Because if you're worrying so much about what's happening now in the future, you know, it robbed, like I say, it, worrying about the future robs your today because mm -hmm. really today is all we have. Yeah. So there's people that fall into the camp of lamenting the past. There's ones that completely worry about the future. And anyway, your today where there's some beautiful moments of gratitude are gone. Um, do you I, have any little I uh, did. I, that you like well, to I love, I love this too shall pass. Um, also, but I, I pulled one from Ernest Hemingway from farewell to arms, which I've never taught as an English teacher. Um, but I heard it on a podcast this morning and I, I remember this quote, it's the world breaks everyone. And afterward, many are strong at the broken places. Oh yeah. So you are going to get broken. Mm -hmm. You're going to break in this life. Many, That's not many, a question. Many, many times. I know, right? Over and over, you're right. going to be dumped. You're going to lose a job. You're going to suffer an injury, loss of a loved one. It, we, it's, it is one of the known truths. Yeah. But it's how we handle it. Yeah. It's how we come back from it. Mm -hmm. And... You know, the, the field of, of positive psychology, um, Martin Seligman, one of the, the four, the, the four, the four fathers, am I saying that right? The, um, yeah, founders. The, the founders of coined of, the term, yeah, positive psychology. They really took that to heart, right? Because, uh, previously it was all about, uh, focusing on the negative, focusing on you know, like, like post-traumatic stress disorder, but what they said, well, let's focus on post-traumatic growth because there's lots of examples of people coming out of, you know, horrific situations, stronger surviving, you know, um, you know, being captured in war or these other things where we, we tend to talk a lot about the, the negative effects of, of challenge, but there's lots of positive too. And, um, and you're right, you know, things do tend to be stronger where they are mended. Yeah. Right. And, and you think about the stories you tell people, it's really about like the, the nondescript day, the average day you tell stories about things you overcame. Yeah. Cause you're proud. Yeah. And it is a badge of honor. Mm -hmm. So when, when people are telling stories that they're very proud of and they, they feel like they survived and they want to share, it's, it's the struggles. It's not the mellow, like, eh, right. Random Wednesday. And that's, what, what we're going through as parents and teachers of teenagers, right? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we've had, I've been broken many times. I've had breakdowns with parenting mm -hmm. um, because I've wanted, when you feel like you, you've done your best and this is not how it should happen and they know better and you, you, you start getting riled up and then, but you got to realize, you know, just because you gave birth to this person, you don't control them. No. They have a strong nature and you'll nurture, nurture, you know, nurture until the cows come home and we'll continue to nurture. But at some point 
I realized my kids are very different from me in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah. And, right. And, um, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, and I've got to accept it and I've got to celebrate it. I mean, there are things that they do a lot better than I do, mm-hmm. but there's things I don't like that they do. <laughs> I wish they were more like me and, um, they're not. And I gotta, I gotta get over it. Yeah. So, so while we are talking about the serenity prayer within the, the context of today of, of COVID-19 of distance learning of, you know, being trapped in our houses. Uh, this also really applies to our, our larger conversation here at teacher saves world, which is the parenting and teaching of teenagers. Yes. And, and exactly, exactly that accepting, acknowledging, knowing there are things that I control. There are things that I don't control. And you're right. There's a process of you. We get to that point because we do when they're so young, we do control quite a bit. You know, yeah, we, yeah. we, we dictate almost every aspect of their schedule and this mm-hmm. and that. And then, you know, setting them free, letting go in those teenage years. And it's really hard. Well, like we just had a conversation with friends about like the, the, uh, find my iPhone and the three life 360, the apps where you track your teens. Yeah. You know, that, that's an element of control, right? Yeah. We have, I pay for your phone. I can put this app on and I'm going to know where you are every second. We had a discussion about that. Mm-hmm. How healthy is that? How healthy is that for us? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of our friends like, I deleted it. I was it's, making myself sick. I think it's something that we all think we want to do. But if we realize the anxiety and the, you know, now you have to do something about it. Right. Because let's be honest, our parent, like, were we always truthful to our parents did we always let them know like if i was mom if where we listening where we told them we were <laughs> no was always where we were yes no and you know what but that's just you know because we don't necessarily want our parents to know everything about us and and you know we want to keep something secret and maybe we're not proud of this or that but it's part of growing up you know yeah. and it's part of learning who we are and yep. and 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 experiencing some challenges on our own but now, you know, there's, I don't know, it's hard with this whole technology thing. Because you feel like, uh, yeah, I want to know where they are all the time. But then it just leads to a lot of pain and heartache. It, it leads to a lot of broken trust. Yeah, it does. And then you have to do something about it. And then, then sometimes I feel you like you're kind of a loser. Like you're like following them around. Yeah, all you have to do is go. <laughs> like, go don't I have a life? Go into the app store and, and <laughs> pull up, uh, you know, Life360. And just read the reviews. It doesn't have a, it, you know, it might be a what really effective, good app. I mean, for, for what it's doing, but it's review. I feel like it's like a 2.9 rating, not because it doesn't work, but because of like all the relationships it has ruined. Wow. Like go read the reviews and it's all like, you know, don't ever download this app unless you want to like ruin your relationships. And it, <gasps> it, it's not just Whoa. parents and kids. It's also like husbands and wives. <gasps> I could put Life 360 on you. Yeah, you could. Oh, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, we're not. I'd have to agree to that. Um, but it just comes down to you know yeah. it's breaking trust, and then you know the same thing goes for like texts and reading their texts, and you know because our parents were none the wiser when we had a stupid conversation with a friend, but mm-hmm. it was just it floated off into the air yeah. when we were kids. But now it's like you know it's on social media, it's in their phone, it's yeah. 
It's tough times. Are, are we yep. are we losing track of tangent? Where well, it's not really a tangent. It's just again control. Yeah. We can control yeah. certain things. We can't others. We got to yeah. know the difference. Yeah. So let me. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna go through sort of the the section by section the the actual prayer itself. We wanted to talk first about the serenity to accept and kind of what that means. And I want to share a, a little story. I remember. Uh, I have a couple stories, but. In the sake of time, I'm going to share just one. Uh, I was my early 20s, and I'm I'm a a waiter at a restaurant, a fairly new waiter. And uh, anybody who's ever waited tables is going to know what I'm talking about. Every night, every night that I worked, there was a moment where all of the customers decided to show up at the same time, yep. and they all got sat in my section at the same time. And so I had five, six tables. Everybody newly sat you know, menus in, in their hands, wanting drinks, wanting their food, wanting their appetizers, wanting whatever. And it just stressed me out, Heck right? Yeah. Because it wasn't like, take care of this person, take care of this person. It was like everybody at once. Yeah. And, and it started in like, I would make it through, but every night I knew that in the pit of my stomach, I was going to have that just anxiousness at like, Oh it's my God, it's, it's coming. And, and, it, and it made it so that I like, I was like, I didn't want to go into work because I knew I was going to have that moment. Yeah. And then I remember one night clear as day, this, this day still, or one evening still sticks out to me. And I remembered it my, my entire life. There was a moment where I stepped out of the waiter station. The waiter station was where we made the drinks and the, you know, etc. Hot tea. Oh <laughs> God. Hot tea. <laughs> Any waiter just cringed at the idea of <laughs> don't, serving don't hot tea. Don't ever order hot tea. Um, and so I remember stepping outside of the, the waiter station, and it was that moment. My station was full, and they all just got there. And it, was, it, was, it had come. But for some reason, and I don't know what it was. It wasn't, I, I don't know that I was aware of the serenity prayer at that moment. But at that moment, I, able, I was able to have some sort of a, a moment to just sort of think, you know what? I survive every single night. I haven't died. <laughs> Nobody has complained to the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, we eventually all got their yummies. I, everybody seems in looking back, nobody ever really seems to be too upset and, and everybody's pretty, you know, patient and, um, and then this serenity, this serenity like washed over me mm. and it was like a calm, a mm-hmm. peace And at that moment, like I became such a better server. Yeah. I was calm and relaxed. In the same scenario as yesterday. Nothing changed. You changed. But from one day to the next, as far Mm -hmm. as like the, everything like in my head. Your attitude. I I changed. Yep. And I became such a better server. I became a more positive, upbeat, relaxed server. I was more efficient because I wasn't flustered. I wasn't that server running around sweating, you know, all like, you know, clanging glasses and everything. Yeah. Like I got this. Yeah. And I was serene and calm and, and I'll never forget that night. And I waited tables for like 10 years and this was early on in in my waiting table life. Mm -hmm. And it served me for the rest of my life. I knew like I never from that moment forward ever got that feeling, that pit in my stomach ever again. It was serenity. And it was serenity. I accepted there are things I cannot control when people show up to the restaurant. No, no. I cannot control if they want hot tea or not. Mm-hmm. 
which hot just tea just has a lot of prep. I felt like I had to say that to the yeah, non-waiters. Yeah, it just there was a lot. There was so much more work involved with putting a hot tea together than, than like just a Coke. A, yeah, ordering a, a iced tea or something. Um, and yeah, uh, that's a perfect example. Yeah, because I love steaks example. Yeah, but it was stress. It was. It was stress. It was total stress. But it was your you changed your attitude. Mm-hmm. Um. That reminds me of that quote, Marcus Aurelius, I told you, the, the dye of my thoughts colors my world, Right. D-Y-E. Mm-hmm. The dye of my thoughts colors my world. The world's the same, but it's how, how we, you approach it. How we perceive it, yeah. Yeah, is all that matters. Right, and that's, and, and that's kind of the core of what, you know, all of these different philosophies talk about is our, our perceptions. We control our perception, how we perceive things. And it's like, you know, that's why they say like the rose colored glasses, the dye of my, dye of my what? My the thoughts. dye of my thoughts yeah. colors my world. All right. A modern version is like the rose tinted glasses, yeah. right? I mean, the world doesn't change, but the, the lens, the color of your lens makes things look different. Yep. And we can just change our glasses, right? We can change. The world is what it is. Mm-hmm. How we perceive it is what we have control over. Absolutely. And yeah, so when we accept that, there are things that we cannot change. When you really, really absorb that, yep, it is. It's a, it's a serenity. And that's the world we're living in right now. Yeah. There are so many things yeah. that are out of our control. Yeah. And now the second part is the courage to change the things that I can. Okay. There is, we do have some power. We do have power. Well, like our thoughts. Yes. Right? How, we, how we handle situations, our actions, our, our words. Yeah. We have the ability and it takes courage. It takes courage and I think it also takes humility because you have to look, look into yourself and kind of look at the deficits that are going on with you. And that's what I feel like these past four months for me have been quite a journey in meditation and thought and, and coming to terms with some you know, emotions I had. I couldn't control anything, right? Usually as a mother and a teacher... I'm controlling a lot of things. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the day kind of is similar and I, I take care of my students and I take care of my kids and I couldn't take care of anybody anymore. Right. It was out of my control. They were out of my vision. Um, they weren't coming onto my Google classroom in, in the spring, like, you know, and, um, and that, that hurts. And then you feel like, well, who am I? What is my role in life? Right. Um, but I couldn't control anything that was going on. And I think, it's, it's had a snowball effect, right? So we've been going through this for a while and it's kind of reached, you know, not with everybody, with a lot of people, sort of a fever pitch. And, and it, it feels like we've got the things reversed, right? We're, we're, we're trying to change the things we have no control over, <laughs> right? And yeah. we're not, and we're not accepting the things that we do have. Like we're, we're kind of got things flip-flopped. Yeah. And that's where you'll, where you'll see viral YouTube videos, of people yes. going crazy right. in a Screaming, store. you know, at people. And it, you're right. It's manifesting in two ways. Either it's coming out in this anger mm-hmm. and this frustration because I can't control this thing. Or it's coming out in sort of like it's more inward anxiety and anxiousness and shutting in and, yeah. you know, uh, heart palpitations and sweatiness and depression, and depre- yes. malaise, mm-hmm. no energy, because mm-hmm. you can hide that way too. You can hide by biting, you know, you can, you can 
protect yourself by biting and yelling and screaming. And then you also can go into the cocoon. Right. Right. And protect yourself that way. Detaching. You know, neither one of them are really working through what's going on. Working through the problem, working through the issue and, and, and really right. examining what can I control? What I, what can I not? Right. And, and <clears throat> that's why I love in the serenity prayer, it says the courage to change because change does take courage. It's hard. Right. It's one thing to, to accept, to acknowledge that I can change it. It's something else to, to take the steps to do it. Yeah. There's work involved. Yes. And if you have to change something, you're also recognizing that something you're doing isn't working. Mm -hmm. It's not working for you. Right. It's not working for your family. It's not working for your health. So you've got to actually put the mirror up and go, oh, I got to change this. Yeah. I'm wrong. Yeah. You know? But the last part really kind of gets to it. It's the wisdom to know the difference. The yeah. wisdom to know the difference between what you control and what you don't. And so I encourage everybody out there. And what Lori and I did was we just sat down and we made a list. And I just took a piece of paper and I put a big line right down the middle. Me too. And on one side I put, I control. And on the other side I put, I don't control. Mm. Oh, and then I put, can't control, can control. So I went with the negative first. Oh, I wonder if okay. that's there's some reasoning behind that. I don't know. Somebody, <laughs> somebody could do a, a psychological evaluation of that, but we'll save it for another time. Okay. All right. So, so we're going to share with you just some of the things we put on our list. Uh, we're not going to go into a super deep exploration here, but just to give you an idea. So we're talking as teachers, we're going to, you know, as, and as parents, you know, so here are some things I put on my, th these are things I, I, I control. I control my actions. I control my words. I control my judgments and my perceptions. I control my planning and preparing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I control my self-care. Right. And and we talked about um previous episode, eat, move, sleep. Yep. Right. So I control if I take care of myself so that I'm ready to handle. And that's kind of like a big side conversation. And this whole time is, you know, we need to take better care of ourselves so that when these trying times hit us, both physically and emotionally and spiritually, that we're ready to handle them. I'm we shocked still that there is not more coverage of like immunity. I mean, there's a little bit of vitamin pitches and sales, but, but not like really taking care of right. yourself. Cause on to bridge onto that, I, I kind of paired mine as like little partners. So I said, I can't control COVID-19. Yeah. I, that was on my list too. I cannot control. I said the virus or something, but I can control my health. Right. I mean, that's a strong word control, but I can, I can work on myself. Yep. I can get to bed at a decent hour. I can fill my body with nutritious foods mm -hmm. and I, I can, can exercise. exercise. Yep. I can read, I can get off of electronics sometimes to give my brain a break from the, I can control that. Mm -hmm. I can control my day and right. put some, it doesn't mean we're perfection, you know, and don't have our little treats and whatnot. But for the most part, I am not staying up till three in the morning. I am not eating bags of chips and I'm not laying around watching TV all day Yeah. because guess who loves that? The virus. It does. So that, that was kind of a, a partnership. Yeah. Um, I had another partnership. I said, I can't control, this is really specific for teachers, the attendance of my students. Yeah. Oh, totally. But I can control like a fabulous, engaging moment with whoever shows up to my Zoom. Right. And on our little CTA webpage, which we've been talking as teachers on, on Facebook, somebody said, what if just one kid shows up to my Zoom? 
And another teacher's all, then that kid's going to have an amazing lesson. Yeah. They're going to have a tutoring session. Right. That was too different, mm-hmm. right? Looking at what you can't control. And that right. was somebody flipping it and looking through the rose-colored glasses. Like, yeah, that was two different dyes, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I also had, and I think you had this one too, we can't control the decisions made by our district, our state, nope. our country. No. Nope. But we can control our attitude in response to them. Yeah. And that's that creative constraint comes in again. Okay, if I'm told I can't see my kids live, it's not safe, then I'm going to do the very best I can digitally mm-hmm. with their little faces on the squares. And I'm going to make it the best I can. Yeah. I'm going to give them all of myself on the screen. It doesn't do me any good. It doesn't do my students any good to complain. Like, is this the situation we were hoping for? When we came back in the fall? No. No way. Right? But if I were to complain and rail against it and post a bunch of stuff online and, you know, argue this and I would just be hurting myself, hurting mm-hmm. my my character, hurting my, you know, emotional state. And then I would not be the best teacher that I could be for my students when they showed up. Yes. Right? And, and you know, we went through that arc, right? Because we, we, we know it mm-hmm. is so much better to all be together. Yeah. We know live. And we kind of went through that lamenting of like, oh my God, on the, on the screen, more screen time. I flipped that. And now I'm, I'm embracing like, this looks like a really cool, oh, I'm going to use this. You know, like mm-hmm. I flipped it. Yeah. I have no control over Wi-Fi. Oh, <gasps> good one. <laughs> <laughs> or internet access. <gasps> right? I mean, people are freaking out about that. The yeah. teachers. I, I just, you know, we're going to do our best. We're cross our fingers. Hope yeah. everything works. But. You know, um, to to get like all worked up and stuff over the potential, you yes. know, loss of Wi-Fi or whatever. And prediction, <sighs> we will have some glitches. We're going to have some glitches. On the system. Yeah. But, you know, what? And then you think, what's the worst that can happen? Okay, boop. I have no internet. Okay. Then I sit in my classroom and I plan for future lessons when I do have internet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Google Classroom is set up and there's maybe a little in, little activity there and they'll go do it later and right. the world will not stop. Yeah. And, you know, one another great thing I learned, and then we'll, we'll start to wrap this up, um, from Stoicism was, you know, they, they were very much about moderating their emotions, not becoming angry. They saw anger as a, you know, temporary madness. It made you look ugly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you lost your, your ability to reason and think rationally. And one of the ways that they sort of helped themselves to moderate that and to not become angered is whenever these obstacles presented themselves, these situations, these just typical life challenges, they saw it as an opportunity that was given to them to work on some aspect of their character. Like a gift. It was a gift. Like problems are a gift. Yeah. Whoa. And I mean, wrap your head around that. What if every time a challenge, an obstacle a problem presented itself to you instead of becoming like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening again. But instead it was like, ah, yes. Thank you. That is a good one. I'm going to learn what, how can I tackle this? What part of myself do I get to be make stronger? Mm. What part of my intellect, my, my, you know, my soul, my emotions, what, you know, what am I going to use to solve this problem? And in doing so, make that a stronger part of, of myself. Wow. So every challenge was an opportunity to become stronger. I love it. It's so true. It is. I mean, it is so true. 
And you're just so better at, you get so much better at handling them when you have that positive energy. Right. And if you get mad or depressed or down, you just, it's like shooting yourself in the foot. Yep. So those are good. Yeah. So once again, just to close out the show, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can and wisdom to know the difference. I think we could all use that right about now. It's beautiful. And just like that, another episode has come to an end. We are so grateful that you took the time to listen and invest in the lives of our teens, the leaders of tomorrow. We invite you to bring someone new with you next week and help grow the army of caring adults needed to help our teens live their best lives. Please share the show on your social media and make sure to subscribe to our podcast and connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram so that you don't miss a thing. Until next time, let's keep saving the world. One teenager at a time. Yeah, that's the beauty.